everyone. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Otherwise Podcast, a place for gathering conversations on how to live wisely, how to live well along their journey with Jesus. My name is Casey Tigert. I'm a pastor, writer, spiritual director, um, and yes, apparently now I'm a podcaster as well. So thank you all for uh, a lot of you responded to the first couple weeks. Um, three episodes out there right now. Uh, you can get those on iTunes, Google Play. Uh, as far as the other podcast platforms, I don't know that they have them yet, but hopefully they will in time. Uh, but the first week is me just kind of talking about why uh, I decided to do this, um, giving some insight about you know, becoming human and uh, how that might be the key to our to our wise living with Jesus. Uh, the other episode is with uh, a guy named Carlos Rodriguez, uh, and Carlos is with a group called Happy Sonship, and that was an, that was an incredibly fun interview to do. Uh, Carlos is doing some great work, and I would encourage you to go back and listen to that one. The last week's episode that released was with Sarah Bessie, and Sarah is an author of two books, prominent books, Jesus Feminist and also a book called Out of Sorts about reclaiming your faith when everything goes crazy. And so uh, it's just been good to hear your responses uh, to those episodes. If you haven't listened to some of those, feel free to go and do that. Also, if you haven't done any rating or reviewing on iTunes, I would encourage you to do that as well. And if you want to share this with somebody, uh, feel free to do that also. Um, Today, I want to talk about the tuning fork. So I'm just talk for a few minutes here about uh, this concept, the idea of a tuning fork. And the tuning fork is the thing that you strike and it sounds a tone. So it's a metal. If you've never seen one, you can Google it. It's a metal. uh, It it looks like a Y and you strike it and it sounds a, a certain note. And once it's struck, you can tune instruments to that particular note. And so it's a really interesting thing. Uh, for those of you who are musicians, you you know this already. For those of you who aren't mu- musicians, this might be new to you. Uh, but tuning an instrument is the thing that makes music beautiful. Um, my wife is would tell you she can't play an instrument, but she can tell you when something's out of tune. And it's interesting to to hear that. You know, I can't play a guitar. She might say, but I can tell you when one's out of tune because it's pretty apparent. Because a musical instrument was meant to, it was meant to sound right, and so when I think about the tuning fork, I also think about the analogy of doing something that gives us life, doing something that lights our souls, doing something that we would do for free if we had the opportunity. We do it even if nobody paid us to do it. There are a lot of things we do for free because we have to. <laughs> Uh, it's not necessarily the tuning fork, uh, but all there are these things that when uh, when we do them, they strike this thing inside of us. They 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 tap into something deeper, deep down inside of us. And the reason I wanted to do this is because one of the biggest pieces of feedback I got from last week's episode with Sarah Bessie was the conversation about calling and how do you stay where you are, even if it's difficult. And I wanted to carry that on because I think there are a lot of us who are, um, we all suffer from vocation intoxication. 
vocation intoxication. What do I mean by that? What I mean is we are all desperately finding, trying to find out what we're here for. What's our purpose? What's the work that we're supposed to be doing? And we get to the point where we're so saturated with it, it starts to lose all meaning. It's like saying a word over and over again, no matter how important that word might be, love, love, love. If you say love a thousand times over and over again, it begins to lose meaning for you. And I think what's happened to us is we are so desperately trying to find out what it is that we're here for that we forget about the search. We forget about what it means to find the thing that we're here for. We are drunk, <laughs> we're intoxicated on trying to find our vocation, our vocation. So it's funny to me, the, not in a like ha-ha sense, but in an ironic sense, the word in the Bible for calling is the Greek, in the New Testament at least, is the Greek word kaleo, kaleo. And so uh, the word for church is ek kaleo, that's those two words put together, called out. So the word church is actually a, a descriptor. It's a descriptor of a group of people. Literally, the word church in the New Testament should be called the called out ones. So the word kaleo. And then the, the, the Latin word for vocation is the word vocare. It means to speak out, to call out. And this is where I think the discussion begins for us about calling because a lot of times we think the tuning fork is something that's outside of us. And we have to get it, and then it can be struck. So in 1996, I was in Phoenix, Arizona. I was at a, uh, a thing called Nazarene Youth Congress. All you Nazarenes, stand up and cheer. Some of you had the t-shirt that said, I survived 121 degrees in Phoenix. It was hot, man. It was hot. I was, uh, I was going into my senior year of high school. And I was trying to figure out this whole discussion. What is it that I'm here for? What am I supposed to do with my life? And I'd already signed up. I'd already registered for college. I'd already decided to go um, to Mount Vernon Nazarene University. What's up, alumni? You guys listening? And I wanted to go into pharmacy, uh, mostly because I felt like there was a lot of money to be made there. <laughs> Uh, I also didn't really give much thought to the fact that I was awful at math and science. Uh, so I think, I think me making the decision I made, it may have saved thousands of people or thousands of dollars I would have wasted on that college degree. So anyway, so I'm, I'm, I'm already registered for college. I'm already getting ready to go. And we're at this, this Nazarene Youth Congress. Now, if you didn't grow up in, in, evangelical churches, and if you didn't grow up in a Nazarene church, um, we had this thing called a time at the altar. So at the end of a sermon or at the end of a song, they would ask people to, they would say, now is the time when you can come forward. And if, if you're, you know, if you don't have a relationship with God, now is the moment when you can come forward and you can receive him, you can receive Jesus. Or if there's something you, you need to pray about, or you need to talk to God about. And so at the middle of this, of the America West Airlines arena, that tells you how old I am, 1995. Wow. I had this feeling like I was being called to come to the altar and uh, hash something out with God. And I had a feeling I knew what it was. And so I went forward and I was, I was praying. And, and listen, some of you are listening to this and like, this is crazy town, this experience. I've never had this experience. I understand that. I understand that. This is just, this is just narrative. This is just my experience of God at this particular point in my life. 
And so I went forward and I, I prayed and I said, I'll do anything you want. God, just please don't send me to Africa. <laughs> uh, and and why? I don't know why I said that. I still do. You know what? My one of my most one of the most the most beautiful memories I have right now are of going to Kenya and to Malawi. So I have no idea what this was all about. And I got this sense uh, that God was saying, "I want you to be a pastor." Now, in that moment, what that meant was I was going to be the senior pastor, meaning the guy who is in charge of a church and preaches every week of a Nazarene church. And so that, all of a sudden I had this thing, I had this, I was called to ministry. Some of you can resonate with that. I was, I was called to ministry. And all of a sudden, this tuning fork was struck. And the rest of my life would be tuned, quote unquote, you can't see me doing air quotes, but I'm doing tuned to that thing. And it happens to all of us, a doctor, somebody who loves diagnosis, somebody who loves to figure out what's wrong with people. That fork is struck and they orient their whole life around. They'll do residencies and work 70 to 80 hours a week and get paid absolutely nothing and get treated horribly like a grunt. Why? Because they want, they want to keep striking that thing inside them that says, this is what you're made for. The mom who gets up in the middle of the night again and is exhausted, and is frustrated, and is weary, and yet couldn't imagine doing anything else other than what they're doing. My chiropractor is a person who loves making people feel better, loves realigning all their stuff, and and I think she gets a little bit of um, sort of perverse pleasure uh, listening to my spine crack. <laughs> Uh, but she loves it. And so she orients her whole life around it. And so what's interesting about that is, so we hear that and we go, okay, well, that's something out there that we have to find. But I ran into this quote from a guy named Parker Palmer. And if you don't know Parker Palmer, he's a fantastic influence. And uh, he wrote a book called Let Your Life Speak. And he's talking about vocation. And he says a lot of times it, it, we think it's something that's outside of us. And he says, I must listen for the truths and values that are at the heart of my own identity. That's, that's what I'm looking for. So the doctor, the mom, the chiropractor, the pastor. But then he says this. He says, it does not come from a voice out there. A voice that says become something I'm not. It comes from in here to be the person I was born to be. The original selfhood I was given at birth by God. Calling is not a tuning fork that you get on loan from somebody or somewhere else. Because see, when I, I felt like I was called to ministry, called to be a pastor, I took somebody else's tuning fork. It means being a senior pastor in a Nazarene church. And I even went as far as to give a geography in southern West Virginia where I grew up. It's some time now. It's 20 some years. Oh my gosh, it's 22 years. 22 years since uh, that moment. 
and I am not a senior pastor. I am not in a Nazarene church. I'm not even a full-time pastor in a church right now. And I'm not in Southern West Virginia. I'm in Chicagoland. So did I, did I throw away the tuning fork? No, I don't think so. I think I finally started listening to the one that was deep inside. And so I think some, some of us, and maybe you are, right now you're trying to figure out, I work, you're in this spot where you're going, I work this really crappy job. And yes, it pays the bills, but I just don't feel like, what's my bigger purpose? God has put part of himself in us. We're creating the image of God. There's part of him in us. And I think that's the part that livens up when the tuning fork gets struck. That's the thing that sets us on fire. That's the thing that we get up in the morning for. Which means, and this is the hardest part, it means it may not be the thing that we do for 40 hours a week. It may be the thing that we get to do because the 40 hours a week funds it. Hear a story about a guy named Paul in the Bible, and they they said he was a tent maker. He supported himself making tents, which maybe he loved it. Maybe he was the giddiest tent maker you've ever seen. Come and see Paul, the laughing Judeo-Christian tent maker. I don't know, but, but it supported what he did. And so our tuning fork... Are that thing in us that we're made, that thing that we're, we're made to do, that thing within us that sings whenever we do it. That thing we may not get paid for. We may not be able to do it 40 hours a week. We may have to squeeze it in among other things. And yet it's something that the world desperately needs. Because here's the other thing I know. There's a reason why we need music. There's a reason why we need in-tune violins and violas, brass and woodwinds, concertos, rock concerts, rock operas. There are reasons we need that kind of stuff. I went with my daughter recently to see a concert. (laughs) One Taylor Swift. And uh, I'm not a huge fan of Taylor's music, but I'm sitting in in Soldier Field where the Bears play, this giant stadium, 52,000 people, uh, and they're all just, uh, I I felt like everybody but me was just bursting to be there. And I I loved it for my daughter because she loved it, but, but I was just there as kind of an observer. And what I noticed was, if you've never seen Taylor Swift, you don't know anything about her. She has this massive personality connection with her fans. And what I noticed was she told a whole story about how when she looks out on the, on the crowd, on the congregation, <laughs> almost, on the audience, and she sees people singing along, what she says to herself is, maybe I'm not the only one that's experiencing this kind of stuff. Maybe I'm not the only one who's struggling with this kind of stuff. There is no doubt in my mind that music is what Taylor Swift is made for. And it's a gift to the people who hears it. Now, listen, you may say, well, she should be making different music. She should be writing hymns. I'm not going to argue that with you. She shouldn't be doing revenge songs. I, okay, okay. All I'm saying is 
There's not a person on earth that would look at her and go, you know what you should really be doing? Needlepoint. CPA. Human resources. It's very clear that the tuning fork has been struck and she has tuned her life to that. And people need it. See, right now, right now what I think people around us need, we don't need as much noise. We don't need as much um, words. We need, we need a, a people who will speak with art and passion and poetry. We need people who come alive for goodness and grace. We need people who will speak the truth in love. And that verse gets thrown around a lot. That verse gets thrown around a lot. But not only will they speak the truth in love, but they will know that both of those things have at their heart beauty. Because if we're created in the image of God, the God who in the beginning of the Bible spoke and made things, anytime you and I speak, anytime we say something, we are creating something. And so my hope is that if before I ever say a word on digital tape or uh, to a crowd of people on a weekend or in a book that I might write, before I say anything, my tuning fork had better be singing and humming and the rest of my life needs to be oriented around that. that that's what the Spirit of God is doing in me. And we all have that. The same guy, Paul, in 1 Corinthians says, there is... There are a diversity of gifts, but there's one body. See, I think it's helpful to read books. If you read the Bible, if you read books like Romans and 1 Corinthians, the first thing to settle in our minds when we read that is it's not written to individual people. It's written to groups of people. It's written to the church at Corinth, a bunch of people. And so when he says, look, there's a diversity of gifts, but there's only one spirit. There's only one body and all the gifts are given for the common good. Everybody has a tuning fork. And when it's struck, the purpose of that is for the good of everyone. So today, if you're struggling with figuring out why you're here and what you're here for, you probably already know it. You probably already know what it is that you're here for. You probably already know that thing that makes you alive when you do it. The question just becomes, how do I figure out how to bring that thing that makes me alive to the table so that I can feed it to the world? Or at least the people around me. Frederick Beekner says that our, our calling, our vocation, whatever you might call it, is the place where the world's deepest need meets our greatest hunger. I may have said that backwards. You can Google it. I'm sure it's out there. But it's something like that. It's, it's the right neighborhood. It might be the wrong street, but it's close. It's close. I don't think Frederick's going to listen and correct me. But the point is, the thing that sets your tuning fork off is not just to give you a sense of purpose. It is for that. But it's also because the world desperately needs desperately needs you to be in tune. And so some of you may think, well, it, I'm because of my gender, I, it, I, it can't be 
the thing that I sense inside of me, that can't be me. I'm scared. I'm, I don't think it's going to work. Let me encourage you. (laughs) No one else put that tuning fork in there. No one else keeps striking it. The one who keeps striking it is speaking from within you saying, this is the thing you're here for. This is the thing you're made for. And so to find that is just to find the thing that that gives us life. So the question really is, what would you do if you could only do it for free? What's the thing that you do that exhausts your body but brings fire to your soul? The church where I serve, we have a bunch of weekend services. And if I, if I teach on the weekend, it's usually four services at least. And so by Monday, by Sunday afternoon, I'm just, I'm wasted. But my innards, my spirit, my, the Bible calls it the splank the splank node, my, my guts, they're on fire. And I could go do it again if my body would let me. That's the tuning fork getting struck. The thing that you'd stay up late hours for or get up early for, for some of you, oh my goodness, getting up early, not hitting the snooze button, getting up before the sun comes. If you find something that you're willing to get up and do before the sun comes up, it is a high priority for you. And it might just be part of the tuning fork that God is sounding. So some of it, some of it is finding that, is discovering what is that thing that's within us and not thinking, oh, it's out there and I have to go find it. It's actually in us. God put it in us. Because the thing about it is when I went to that altar in 95 and I talked to God about being a pastor, it wasn't revelation. As a kid, I always loved being in front of people. I had friends, and and so I would always be, I, I had no fear of public speaking. And I'm not saying this to say, oh, this, this listen how awesome I am. I'm just saying these are things that were always true of me. You can watch our family videos. Good gracious, I was an obnoxious kid. But I was never afraid of the spotlight. I was never afraid to speak in front of people. I was never afraid of thinking on my feet. And when I got into high school, there were people who would start to take me into their confidence, would ask me their advice, would seek wisdom, wisdom from a high school kid. I still don't feel like I'm, I still don't feel like I could give out wisdom. I, I, re, I remember early as a pastor, um, and my daughter was a, a baby and I was helping people with their marriages or anything. And they'd say, so how do we fix this? And in my head, I'm going, I can't, I can't get my daughter to use the potty. How am I going to fix your marriage? <laughs> You know, these things just kept coming. And I love to speak. I love to teach scripture, teach wisdom, teach on formation and from an early stage. And so once I got to Phoenix, I really already knew that stuff was in there. It had been happening inside of me. So it wasn't like God said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shock you here. You probably already know what your calling is, what your vocation is, what that tuning fork within you is. The question is, what are you, what are you going to do with it? And just know that question may have thousands of answers. 
See, we get caught up in the fact that there's only one way to do. There's only one way to honor and live wisely with the life that God has given us. Listen, I can't make this clear enough. Jesus said, the thing that matters most is that you love God with your guts and all your glory, with everything you've got, and you love your neighbor as yourself. That's the playground. So when it comes to the thing that's in you, that tuning fork, that calling, that vocation, that thing that you do that sets you on fire, when it comes to that thing deep within you, Jesus says, here's the playground. Here's the fence. Stay within this then you're good. But for some of us, knowing what our tuning fork is won't come by listening to what we need to do. Some of it may come by listening to what we need to stay away from. Or let me put it differently. It's not about what you're good at. It's discovering what you're not good at. So I recently had a a a shift, a change in my life where uh, my family and I were living in another city and serving another church. And some of you listening are listening from that church. And, and uh, man, it was so good to serve with you all. But we were there for a year and a half and uh, we left for a couple of reasons. One was I really felt like the tuning fork was going off about writing, about doing this podcast. It's been in my head for a long time about doing some other things, some traveling and teaching that were coming up. But the other part was the role I was in was as a teaching pastor. And so I was, I was speaking in front of people, you know, 26, 27, 30 times a, a year. And I just realized that kind of role, the act of it was fine. That kind of role is not what I was made for. And the funny thing is, on paper, it looked like everything I wanted. And I did it for a year and I had a great time and, and just got to know some wonderful people. But at the end of the day, it, it started to become, hey, I don't, I don't know that this is what I, I should be doing anymore. So some of us need to listen to the tuning fork, listen to the thing that's within us. Some of us need to pay attention to the thing that we can't do and just have the self-awareness to go, that's not the person I was meant to be. And so when I took that role, there were a lot of people who were like, oh, yeah, you, you know, you're going to kind of take the lead spot, and you've moved up the ladder, and that's what you're supposed to do. And so to step back and go, no, I don't think so, and then to step into a part-time role and to have a very different kind of life and a very different kind of ministry than I ever thought I would, is just surprising. And what it tells me is that the wiser thing is to narrow down your field, to know the things that you're good at, to know the things that give you life, to know the things you care about and are passionate about, and to find your way to those things. And to reject the tuning forks that are given to you by other people. Now, there are going to be people who encourage you there were people along the way who encouraged me who said, oh, you should do this. You should preach. You should be, you should think about being a pastor. That's not what I mean by encourage. That's not what I mean by taking somebody else's fork, what, which in eating terms, never take anyone else's fork. That's just, that's like a statement of war. Uh, taking someone else's tuning fork as your own. That's the problem. It's not about encouragement. It's about saying, this is who I have to be instead of saying, this is who God designed me to be for the greater good of this community I'm a part of. 
And so as you start to think about this, maybe the question is, what, what do I know that I'm not here for? What do I know is not something that I need to do? So I think we idolize the celebrity vocations. I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to go to Africa. Africa is wonderful. You should go. You should go to Kenya. You should go to Nairobi. You should go and serve some of the schools in the Mathari Valley. You should go for tea time and have mendazis and milk tea. You should do all those things. But maybe, maybe you're called to be a missionary to your neighborhood, to your next-door neighbors. It's finding out the thing. It's finding out the thing that you are here to do and finding out the thing that you're not here to do and seeing where those two things overlap. I thought, man, I, I'm climbing the ladder. I'm going to be a teaching pastor, and that's, that's the pinnacle. That's what everybody around me is shooting for. And I got there, and I thought, this is wonderful, but this is not a place where I'm going to stay forever. This is not the place that's going to completely strike this tuning force. Struck part of it. I love the preaching. I still do. So what do you know you're not good at? What do you know is not in the cards for you? Ultimately, this whole discussion about the tuning fork comes from a deep understanding of the wisdom of God. See, there are a lot of commandments and a lot of teachings in Scripture about who we are, what we're called to do, that God has called us, those he has called, he, he knew us, and he determined in advance the best thing that could happen to us is to become like Jesus. What I just did just now was summarize a passage of Scripture that's really thorny, that literally says, for those he called, he foreknew, and those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. We get caught up in that predestination stuff. So I just changed it. People God knew, people God called, he knew who they were. He knew what tuning forks we carry around in our soul. And what he did was he said, I am going to determine in advance the best thing that could happen to these folk is for them to shape their lives around Jesus. Shape their lives around love for people that no one else loves. People in the margins. People unfairly convicted. I want them to shape their lives around that kind of thing. I want their sh them to shape their lives around forgiving and loving their enemies so that they become neighbors. I want to shape them around becoming peacemakers. I want to shape them around being self-sacrificing kind of folks. And within that, within that space, there is so much for you and I to do. It could be like my friend, my chiropractor. She is conforming her life to the image of God by conforming my spine back to a straight line. <laughs> and I say hallelujah when I get up in the morning. <laughs> Whatever it is that sets off the tuning fork in you today, I just pray, I pray that you would learn the wisdom of listening to that voice 
that comes out of your life, your experience, the stuff you've been through, the stuff you've seen, the places you've been. Just listen to that voice and let it continue to rise within you because the the world desperately needs your tuning fork, tuning your life and making beautiful in-tune music for everybody else, everybody else in the world. So as you go this week, may you, may you find that thing, that thing that is coming up within you, that thing that has always been there, that thing that is the heart of who you were made to be. May you also find that thing that you shouldn't do. That's not you, that you should say no to. And not in a, ooh, no, not in a horrible way, but just in a, nope, that's, that's, not, that's not what sets it off. Now, I get it. There are going to be some things you would like to, I'd like to say no to my job. Well, you may not be able to do that right now. You may never be able to do that. But maybe instead of saying no to your job, you just say yes to the stuff you do around it. And I know that might be hard. I know there's exhaustion. I know there's a struggle. But I pray, may you find the energy to strike the tuning fork and to tune your life, even your 9 to 5, 40-hour week or more, 50-hour week. May you find the way to tune your life to that one thing that matters most. We'll come back next week, next Monday, with another episode. And it's going to be an interview, and I think you're going to like it. So you want to stay tuned. Like, this is a radio station. No, it's not. You can pause and, you pause and listen to this whenever you want. <laughs> Keep an eye out. iTunes, Google Play. If you haven't rated and reviewed, I would love it if you would do that. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Be well and live wisely. Peace.